And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. That is John chapter 1, verse 14, and welcome back to another edition of Bridge Radio, coming at you from the great state of Texas. Texas. And we are happy to be here with you. We got a very, very, very good podcast for you. We're going to be discussing the balance of Christian life and ministry with a first-time guest. Yes. And he's also my pastor's father. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I'm Julio Rodriguez, your host for this program. And across from me, as always, we've got the A.W. Varilla. Hello, everybody. And as I said, my pastor is here in studio. He was here for the Justin Peters podcast. Yes. Uh, uh, my pastor, Jeremy Volo. Great to be here. So, um, yeah, so how, how's, how's, how's everything been for, for both of you guys? Jeremy, you're actually going to Los Angeles, man. Yes. I know. It's how does coming that up feel? Fast. Well, it's, it's exciting, but it's sad. I'm gonna yeah. miss. I'm gonna miss Laredo, Texas. Uh, yeah, Bridge well, Ministries is actually providing all the boxes for his moving. Really? Yeah. All, that is, my it, library is being boxed by Bridge Ministries. By Bridge Books. I think. We, I think we need to use some <laughs> of the boxes. Bridge stamps that we put on the and just stamp your box, Jeremy. So then that way, when you get there, we can just you can remember Bridge and that they provided. <laughs> spread the, the word. Spread the word. Yes, out in, in California for sure. So. <laughs> Good stuff. That is great stuff. Um, yeah, so before we jump into the program, I just want to make sure everybody, especially if you're a first-time listener, please subscribe. Uh, we have an international audience. Yes. Uh, please like, share it to your mom, your dad, your brothers, sisters, your cats and dogs. And uh, uh, we're on iTunes, Windows, Google Play, all pretty much the major podcast platforms. And uh, also download our Bridge app. Yeah. So we, 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 we need to give a shout-out to somebody in our international audience. Uh, we've done Australia, Ireland. Uh, we've done Alaska. California. We've done Cal- Actually, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna do an an apology here, um, for our uh, Jared. Remember our, our New Jersey listener? Yes. The sh- his box actually came back, and you know why? Why? What did I do? Because I missed a number on his address. Oh, so it's your fault, not mine. It is. Okay. It is. All it right. is actually. Well, so I edited it. And okay. he, it's it's going off. All it's right. going off. Whew. All right. So that. that <laughs> Sorry, makes me Jared. Better. Yeah. All right. Well. <laughs> It was it was Julio's fault, Jared. So don't blame me. <laughs> all right. So um. All right. So let's go ahead and introduce our guests for today. I'm uh, very excited to be talking about this topic. Um, Chuck Volo, uh, past my pastor's uh, father. Um, thank you for coming on to Bridge Radio. Yeah. Oh, it's a privilege to be here. <laughs> so could you um uh, just give our audience a little kind of introduction to um you know how long you've been in ministry, what you're doing right now, and and just so kind of people get a feel for who sure, you are. Sure. Sure. Well, I, I was conver- converted at age 18. I've been a Christian nearly half a century now, and I suppose I've been in one form of ministry or another for most of that time, maybe pastoring officially for about better part of 40 years. I pastored in Downingtown, Pennsylvania for 19 years, and for the past 14 years, the Lord has opened up a, an interesting door to me to minister among the old order horse and buggy Amish mm. in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. Okay. And I'm doing that half-time, and then I'm a half-time pastor at a church plant in Northern Maryland. Okay. Oh, wow. And we're looking to plant a church in Lancaster County. Wow. So it's, it's, it's been interesting 14 years ministering among the Amish. So I'm sort of half a pastor, half a missionary right now. Okay. So, so some of our listeners they might be saying, well, what's the difference between uh, you know uh, just the Amish and as well as you know just Protestant Christianity? Is it what what differences are there? I guess what are some of the struggles? This is new to me. Yeah, yeah. The the Amish, in a nutshell, I would call the Amish a cult of culture. Okay. Uh, they are 
very much committed to their cultural distinctives. They, they really want to stay behind the times and they mm. have prohibitions uh, regarding modernity. You know, you're not allowed to drive a motorized mm. vehicle and yeah. you um, have to drive a horse and buggy. Okay. They, in a sense, religiously, they would profess to be Christians of sorts. They, they follow the Bible loosely. But um, they would very much be modern-day Pharisees. Oh, wow. uh, I think they would they would talk about being saved by grace, but they mingle in with that uh, being in the ordnung or the odning, as they say it, mm-hmm. the rules of the church. And wow. so there are certainly believers among them, even among the ministry. Okay, but for the most part, they are works righteous people okay. who very much need the gospel of God's grace. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they make great furnitures. Oh, they're yeah. wonderful craftsmen, yeah. wonderful craftsmen, and they make great furniture. Yeah. Our bedroom furniture has been made by Amish friends. And, mm. Oh, that's uh, awesome. They're wonderful uh, craftsmen. Their culture is beautiful in many ways, but they are sorely lacking the gospel. Mm. So my wife is from that area. Um, so, you know, we carry uh, furniture, I believe, in our house. Our, her, my, my wife's parents are love antiques, and we have some really solid furniture that I know that have come from uh, that the Amish has made, and, and I love it. I mean, they mm-hmm. don't make stuff like it's hard to find. I mean, everybody buys IKEA and it falls apart in a year and just complete garbage. I, I've never heard of that. The Amish make very good furniture. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, yeah. and yeah. quilts. My quilts? wife and I have got a wedding gift, um, actually from my father's church, of an Amish quilt. Mm. It's amazing. Really, yeah, it's phenomenal. Yeah, that's so what? Awesome. What makes it amazing? Just the quality. Oh, of the just way the quality, the detail. I mean, mm. how many hours they put into it is just remarkable. It would wow. probably come to about twenty cents an hour pay if they were to be paid by on an hourly basis. They invest so much in these quilts and beautiful gardens. Wonderful farmers. They have a mm. lot of agricultural skills. Uh, wonderful. They only have an eighth grade education, but they're trained, you mm. know, to be good craftsmen and carpenters and. Mm. And other trades, and they're just very skilled. Okay. People. Oh, wow. All righty. Okay. So today's topic is going to be the balance of a of Christian life and ministry. I spoke with Jeremy before we got this podcast together. He said that he wants you to write a book on this. So yeah. is, that, is that possibly? I, I don't see myself as an author, but but <laughs> frankly, if there was a theme that I would want to. Uh, contribute to right. Uh, it would be balance. I okay. think uh, I don't hear a lot or read a lot about it. Okay, and it's something that has really consumed me. I think, and okay. I think it should consume all of us as Christians to be balanced with regard sure. to the Christian life. I'll yeah. try to give examples of what I mean by that. So I don't see myself as an author. I see many men far more eloquent than me, but. But that's if there's if I'm if there's a book in me that yeah. would be the subject. Or here I have an idea. You guys can co-write it together, a father and son duel. Uh, I think cool. we'd enjoy that. I, I, I think so. I think so. My son has certain gifts that I don't have, and I think he would add a dimension. Um, I, I, I think that would be and, and to do anything with my son would be a joy. I've, yeah. I've really though pressed my father toward that, and I'd like to see that come to fruition. Just because. Um, not only is it a strong point, and you'll hear from his personal story in ministry of mm. how the Lord made balance mm. such a strong point for my father, um, theologically, practically, and it's been an enormous help to me. So okay. you can only imagine, here I am, four and a half years into pastoring, yeah. standing on the shoulders of a man who for over four decades has been pastoring, and is now coming from a very objective viewpoint and saying, hey... It's very important to look at this subject and this and to balance these truths mm, practically, right. theologically. It is it is um, a subject that is so important. Every Christian deals with balance yes. on a daily basis. Absolutely. How many books have you read? 
There's on Christian balance. Yeah, I, I can't I think, think of one, one. Yeah. to be honest. Yeah. yeah, especially here wearing at a bookstore. Yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah, yeah we see. Yeah, so <laughs> Jay Adams, the founder of Nuthetic Counseling, did write a book, The Balanced Christian Life. Uh, some years ago, uh-huh. and he took up several topics, and I think that probably piqued my interest in it, mm. but I think the subject can be expanded far beyond that. Yeah. Um, to to introduce the subject, if I might, I, I might refer sure. to a comment that an old Amish minister made to me. <laughs> he said, in his down-home way, for every mile a road, there's two mile a ditch. <laughs> <laughs> think about that, right? Yeah. There's errors on the right hand and on the left. Yeah. Sure. Ditch, and I find myself continually thinking when it comes to any aspect of truth, what's the ditch over here? Yeah. What's the ditch over here? Right. And oh. to steer down the middle. Right. And I might use this illustration. We all know what a caricature is. Mm-hmm. Caricature, a caricature is something that cartoonists do mm-hmm. of major political f- figures, usually our presidents. Yeah. And what they do is they'll take one feature and they'll blow it out of proportion. So with our President Bill Clinton, it might be his big red bulbous nose. With mm-hmm. President uh, Barack Obama, they'll turn his ears into satellite dishes. Yeah. With, with President George Bush, his eyes are little beady eyes. <laughs> yeah. With uh, Jimmy Carter, if you can think back that far, his, his big lips. And, and our current president? Our current president, his, his, his hair. hair. Of course, it's of course. His hair. His it hair. is his hair, yeah. Wild hair. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, it's harmless, and yeah. it's not intended to be malicious when it comes to that. But what they're doing is they're taking one feature and blowing it out of proportion. Now, that's funny and when it's a cartoon, and it's not meant to, to hurt, uh, but to be humorous. But it's much more serious and dangerous when we do that with God or when we do that with God's truth. Mm-hmm. Truth blown out of proportion is a misrepresentation of God and truth. As someone has said, I think it was Packer, J.I. Packer, who might have coined it, when a half-truth is presented as a whole truth, it becomes an untruth. Mm. Yeah. So when it comes to the truth of God and God's person, his character, we want to represent it accurately. We don't mm. want to fall into a ditch on either side. Yeah, okay. Wow. So in what ways do we see that kind of play out maybe in Christian life and ministry? Yeah. Well, there are so many examples. Sure. I, I, I have over 50 examples mm. of balance in the Christian life. I once, between ministries, I was visiting churches as a pastor, and for the Sunday schools, I was in churches that were very biblically informed. Mm. And I threw out the question, what are some areas of the Christian life that need to be held in tension? Mm-hmm. And I, I got feedback, and I kept a, a catalog, a, a list. Um, I think we can do it in several areas. We could do it balance in the preaching ministry of the church, balance in the pastoral ministry, balance in the prevailing climate of the church, and then we could look at balance when it comes to the individual Christian life. Do you want an example? Yeah, why don't don't you do it for me? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, For example, let's take balance in the preaching ministry of the church. And this is something I I want to do in my own life and, and want to help my son to make sure he's balanced. Balancing truth with love. Mm. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Truth. Truth can be presented in a way that you can't argue with, but it might be harsh and rude. Yeah. And then in the name of love, people can cut corners off the truth. Mm. Mm. So what does Ephesians four fifteen say? Speaking the truth, literally truthing it yeah. in love. Yeah. Mm. So we want truth and love. Um, a balance between a biblical focus on sin and a biblical focus on grace. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we don't want to talk grace, grace, grace. Grace is meaningless yeah. unless it's against the backdrop of sin. Yeah. But if 
A preacher is always hammering on sin and guilt and never giving the remedy of grace. That's that's imbalance. Yeah. Um, balancing God's sovereignty with human responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. We know one. that God is absolutely <laughs> sovereign, right? And we yeah. want to give him glory for that. Yeah. But if we focus on his sovereignty at the expense of responsibility, you know what that leads to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We become hyper yeah. in that area. Mm-hmm. Or if we're always focusing on responsibility, we're neglecting God's sovereignty, not giving him glory. Um, ba- one more, balancing justification with sanctification. I yeah. used to be too heavy on duty and responsibility to be holy and press on toward holiness, but not giving the people of God enough encouraging reminders of where they stand in grace, mm-hmm. their justified status, their adoption, yeah. and it, it laid heavy burdens on people. Yeah. On the other hand, if you're always lavishing the comfort of justification and not sure. pressing them in sanctification, right. they're not going to move toward holiness. Mm. So those truths need to be balanced. Right. Just a few examples for the a preaching ministry. And how does that look like? Is you know, uh, I think that um, I, I, I was at a church in Chicago, a Baptist church, where. Um, we do see this, uh, the sanctification process is almost like has to look like at a certain timetable for somebody who gets converted. And, and, and I've just in my Christian ministry have seen just the growth of different Christians at different times, some a lot maturing a lot faster than others. Mm-hmm. And just seeing um, people in the ministry frustrated with people who are not growing as what we think that they should be growing at mm. and 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 sometimes puts a burden on that person or persons that are they're like trying to understand and I and and how does that just look like where you were just talking about if you can just give us a specific what you have learned in your time yeah. in ministry and and if we can relate it to balance maybe balance, yes. maybe yes. we could say um, exhorting people pressing them toward the mark without overpressuring them mm-hmm. right I think the reminder that the Holy Spirit is the ultimate sanctifier. Yes. We are just instrumental means, yeah. right? I think it's helpful to look at where people have come from. Yeah. People might not be where you think they should be, but when you look at where they've come from, yeah. they've covered a lot of ground. Yeah. So a backward look is helpful as well. Yeah. And then to try to work with the Holy Spirit and sense, what is God doing in this person's life right now? Uh, I don't want to run ahead of the Holy Spirit, but I want to be his instrument. And it takes some pastoral sensitivity and wisdom to know what's on the front burner with this person. Um, Where are they struggling and coming alongside them and seeking to help them in an area where they're sensing their need. Um, Now, if there's something very glaring, I may have to initiate and say, you need to work on this. Otherwise, I want to learn from them. Where are you struggling? Where can I help you? Yeah, that makes sense. And I think in, in Julia, we've seen you know uh, people come on the podcast who have just been taken out of just a, a life of just a, a, a pure just sin and mm-hmm. and just debauchery and and just what God has done in their life and taking yeah. them out of that darkness and the transformation is oh. absolutely remarkable to see. And I'm sure you guys as pastor get excited to see that when you, oh, like my, you just yeah. said, where they're coming from and where they're, they're now. It's just yeah. absolutely just blows my mind. Yeah. 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 yeah I, I think another example, at least in my life, when it comes to balance is me going to one extreme end, uh, especially when it comes to grace and another, and, and then shooting off, obviously to the opposite end. I grew up in a, uh, 
Pentecostal, Word of Faith, Prosperity Gospel, sort of extreme <laughs> hyper-grace. Hyper and, and I remember when I first came to Reformed Theology, the missing piece of the puzzle was total depravity, the doctrine of total depravity. I had never had anybody in my life preach that to me or me even read it. Yeah. And I read it and I, I, I felt... Uh, I just fell so much in love with that doctrine because I had missed that because mm. that's the contrast of the gospel. You can't yeah. know the good news until you know the bad news. Yeah. And so I went on this extreme total depravity, like teaching people to the point where it was like, oh, man, you forgot grace now. So I went to one end for a while to this opposite extreme of just total depravity, yet I was loving it mainly because um, I finally got the gospel. And so I was like, look at this puzzle of total depravity, but I was kind of throwing it at everyone's head. Yeah. The hardest place for a pendulum to stop is in the middle. Yeah. Right? Yes. And we, we are pendulum swing. Yeah. And I saw that in my life... Um, uh, well, one of the things God did was, I think, I was imbalanced in the area of sanctification. I assumed, okay. in, in the circles I was in, very rich theologically, we assume justification. Of course, everybody understands that. Let's yeah. get on with holiness. Mm. But I was laying heavy burdens on people in the realm of sanctification without giving them enough encouragement and comfort. So what does God do? He brings me among the Amish. Mm. What do the Amish need? They don't need more rules and duty heaped upon them. Uh. They are piled on with duty and a guilty conscience. They needed the glorious truth of justification, justification. Yeah. by grace through faith. Right. Yeah. And that doctrine then became a delight to me. And so I think God helped balance me out in that yeah. area. Wow. And I think my ministry also, I saw the need. I was too imbalanced. I'd almost feel good when people say, that really beat me up this morning, Pastor. And I thought, well, good, I did my job. No, I didn't. I might have convicted them, but I wasn't giving them the balm of the gospel. Hmm. And so God was showing me, you need to be more encouraging. And so even in my life, the pendulum began to swing, and some mm. dear brethren who appreciated my preaching said, you know, you could afford to be stronger on us mm. and lay some things on us. And right. I thought, okay, that pendulum needs to go back a little bit more toward the middle, because mm. it is our tendency to oversteer sure. and hit a tree on the other yeah. side of the road, right? Yeah. And here's a component to the whole discussion on balance is inherently we don't see our own imbalances. Yeah. Because... There's certain things that get my blood flowing and get me excited, and even as a preacher, it's like I can go through text after text after text, and every time I see God's sovereignty, I'm like, oh, there it is again. Yeah. So I'm going to pound it again. I'm going to yeah. pound it again, pound it again. And I don't even see that um, going, just flying over the responsibility text. Or there's the call to holiness. There it is again. Yeah. There it is again. And I'm flying over the, there is now therefore no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And, yeah. and so what's so helpful and for me as a young man and I tell this to other young men that you need to have people in your life who are making you aware of your imbalances so for me I have the privilege of my father he listens as I read to him my manuscript before I preach every sermon oh, wow. and he listens to it afterwards and you know what I often hear from him is Jeremy your tone Mm. It, you need to balance your tone. You were a little too harsh there. Mm -hmm. Or I'll, I'll get done a point and say, yeah, got it. And he'll say, well, what's the balancing truth there? Because you don't want to leave the people with a half-truth and thus an untruth. And so I, I don't see that myself. Mm -hmm. But to have that mm -hmm. seasoned, wise voice speaking into my life consistently, that has been one of the, if not the greatest help that my father has given me in ministry and I can't commend highly enough to others um, in ministry or, or just as believers, men, women, children as believers to have those voices speaking into your life but you have to seek that out 
Yeah. yeah. Because people don't necessarily yeah. come up to you and say, hey, Julio, can I share with you how you're in balance? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You need to go and say, hey, Abe, can can you hear me? When I speak, can you tell me the imbalances I have? Oh, he does. Yeah. <laughs> I do. I'm not shy with that. Um, wow, what a blessing. And, and thank you for doing that for your son and the relationship. That's awesome. you, it, it is. And it's very encouraging to, you know, I we, we here at the ministry have uh, just encountered, you know, people who... Imbalances. Imbalances that won't seek out that help. And like you mm. said, you do need to seek, mm. seek out because... Um, the last thing we want to be doing is that mm. we're just going f- f- far to left or far to right or even getting into just doctrinal yeah. error, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and, not, and not careful. There's no reason that he should have to repeat the imbalances that, that were in my life. Mm. And so, you know, from what I've learned from my own imbalances, I yeah. want him to benefit from. And I can say he is far ahead of where I was at that age. And, of course, wow. he is a second-generation Christian, and I'm a first-generation yeah. Christian. Mm. If I can give a few, yeah, sure. your listeners yeah. Yeah. Are, are all part of a church, and, yeah. and as I thought through what should be balance in pastoral ministry and balance in the, in the prevailing climate of a church, okay. I, I hope this could benefit your hearers. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, yeah, absolutely. When it comes to balance in the pastoral ministry of the church, it's important to balance pastoral authority with servant leadership. Mm. And we can find texts for both. Hebrews 13, 17, obey your leaders, submit to them, they keep watch over your souls. Pastors are given real authority, bounded by the word, but they have authority. But what did Jesus say? He said, the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. Their great men exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. Whoever shall be greatest among among you shall be your what? Your servant. servant. And so you want authority, and yet you want that authority to come from the disposition of I'm I'm your servant I'm not yeah. lording it over you and that's needed in pastoral ministry and and we don't see that uh, we were talking to Dr. Steve uh, Leston uh, about that in um, in one of the podcasts and um, and he wrote a book uh, uh, the Bible and World History and he was just telling us that you don't see that in the pulpit as th- what Jesus gave us an example as he was washing feet that he was a servant and got down right mm-hmm. and it's humiliating i mean to be a fit at that time stinky dirty you know they're rolling around saying and he just gives us a perfect example what mm-hmm. a shepherd should be in the pulpit Absolutely. and we just don't see that you know even you colossians, know colossians he emptied himself yeah, yeah. And, and i mean yeah. that's a perfect example yeah. of what he just gave up when you think of what jesus called attention to in himself not many things servanthood the Son of Man has not come to be served, but to serve. serve. Yeah. And then in Matthew 11, I am meek and lowly in heart. Huh. You shall find rest unto yourselves. Those wow. are the things Jesus pointed to in himself. So they yeah. should supremely characterize those who represent him as his under shepherds. Uh-huh. But a few things that should balance the prevailing climate of the church, which the pastors largely do dictate. As the pulpit, so goes the pew, right? Mm. Balancing the concern for edification with the concern for evangelism. If there's too much concern for edification, the church will become ingrown. Mm. If there's too much concern for reaching out, reaching out, and the saints aren't built up, it will be a very shallow, immature church, not attractive to converts. Mm. So the pastors need to, the church needs to be fed the word, built up, strengthened in the word, and then sent out with the word. Evangelism, edification. The balance between in worship between reverent seriousness and holy joy. Yeah. Psalm yeah. 211 says, Rejoice with trembling. 
some churches can, in the name of joy, be flippant and lighthearted and happy clappy, and there's no sense of awe. Yeah. And then other churches, in the name of reverence, can be somber, and it's as though, you know, who died? <laughs> well, as, as I like to say, somebody did die, but yeah. it was raised. Yeah. <laughs> and so we need the balance between reverence. God is awesome, and he's eternal and infinite, but also joy. Yeah. So a couple of examples there. Uh, yeah. Well, those are just a couple of examples. I mean, yeah. I think are... that's an interesting dichotomy in the Christian life is the rejoicing with trembling. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, we are to be sober-minded and set on eternity and thinking on things above and even the own recognition of our own sin and God's holiness and the, the fear and the aw awesome power and glory of God. And yet there isn't to be a more joy-filled people. Yeah. And we were talking at church the other night about yeah. how we have we have more reason to rejoice mm -hmm. than anyone else. Yeah. As you look at the temporal uh, circumstances and the temporal delights that cause people joy, how much more so should we rejoice in the eternal delights and the eternal circumstances of our hope in heaven? And so again, there's that there's that balancing truth. And, and as Christian, Jeremy, you would agree that a lot of us can be short-sighted about that, that we do not focus on the eternal, right, and the things that God promises in the future for us as Christian, and and, 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 and we get stuck in the, the problems of the world and, and all the things that just bog us down. We forget that this is just going to be temporary, yeah. and that one day this this earth and this, the heavens will be transformed and, and giving him glory and honor and praise bound down to our yeah. king, our God, for rescuing us from darkness. Which is why in Colossians 3, Paul says, set your mind on things above. 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 Yeah. And so we walk around wondering, why am I joyless? Why am I self-condemned? Why am I depressed? Why am I... Well, where's your focus? Yeah. Is yeah. your focus on the glories of justification and yeah. the, the new heavens and the new earth? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking of a couple of other other examples uh, for the life of the church. Um, balancing uh, our main identification with the gospel with our emphasis on distinctives. Every church has its distinctives, but we want to major on the major things. You know, major on the, the central truths of the gospel and sort of play down what are our particular distinctives. Mm -hmm. Now, as you, know. you bring that up, Dad, that's, that is one that I think... Um, I would like to hear more from you about, because every church really has their distinctives and the things they want to jump into. Mm. How have you sought to balance that, looking back over 40 years of ministry and now today, um, how, how do you think we can, as Christians, hold our convictions convictionally, and yet with a, a, a sense of unity, a sense of balance? I mean, what counsel would you give just to the average Christian on mm. how to hold those convictions in a balanced way. I'm about to begin a series of sermons which I'm calling um, Discerning Levels of Truth. Mm. And other men have spoken about triage. Mm -hmm. You know, if a medic on the battlefield, he's going to treat the most uh, seriously injured first. And so there's a gradation. This mm. guy's got a chest wound. This guy has a sprained ankle. You know, mm. you obviously know where to go. And as some men have said, we can put truths on different levels. Level one might be orthodoxy, mm. the truths that are foundational to our unity as Christians. Yes. If, you, if you don't believe these, you're not a believer. Yeah. Mm. Level two maybe have, could be called 
functional beliefs for functional unity. They're not necessary to be saved, but with our particular church, they're really important mm. to us. Okay. They're not saving truths, but they're truths like maybe what we believe about baptism yeah. mm-hmm. or what we believe about the doctrines of grace. Yeah. They're not, you know, you can be an Arminian and saved and a Calvinist and be saved, but yeah. if, if you have a high view of God's sovereignty mm-hmm. and you have a, somebody has a high view of free will, he's not going to be happy. Mm-hmm. Second level truths for functional unity. Mm-hmm. And then the third level would be those areas where sincere Christians do disagree and you can still dwell together happily in the same fellowship. That would include matters of Christian liberty of conscience and just some areas where the Bible's not so crystal clear, maybe some details of eschatology, (laughs) you know, details. Um, but every church is going to cut it up a little differently. Yeah, yeah. But I think for every church to determine what's, well, level one should be orthodoxy. We should Absolutely. all be agreed on that. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, the Trinity, the deity of Christ, the authority and inspiration of the Bible, the two natures of Jesus, salvation by grace through faith. Mm-hmm. You don't believe those things, you're not yeah. a believer. Level two, going to have some differences, but I think that's important to sort that out. We're forming a church, God willing, in Lancaster County, and I want to preach messages to these mm-hmm. folks to say, this is where we're going to be. Yeah, Because on those secondary truth or second level or third level truth, we also see a lot of division amongst those things like we see churches break up because of eschatology or baptizing baby or free will, you know, versus election, you know, some of those things. Can you explain just a little bit more how we need to balance those things out in the sense where I have a brother, you know, you know, Julio and I go back and forth, you know, Julio's post mill and his eschatology. He believes in baptizing babies, you know. I don't, I'm created. So, you know, we're we're and we go back and forth, right? Yeah, yeah. And I know that Julio on the primary doctrine is gonna stand with me on those things. Mm. But yet even as we have disagreement on those secondary third level things, um, I will n- I would never ever lose my friendship or you know mm. we don't go to church together but you know i would never mm. call me heretic yeah heretic yeah, <laughs> yeah, heretic, yeah. yeah. where some people would yeah on those things and jeremy can... am i heretic <laughs> not to my knowledge <laughs> he's like <laughs> to that point we just heard a wonderful pastor's talk uh conducted by capitol hill baptist church uh-huh. between uh uh mark um dever Mm. And and his good friend Ligon Duncan, yeah. Presbyterian, yeah, yeah. and they just gave a wonderful expose of um, the way they relate to each other, mm. and you know, hard died in a wool Baptist, Credo Baptist, yeah. and mm-hmm. Pado Baptist, and they speak with mutual respect for each other yeah. because what they respect is my brother is mm. seeking to deal with the Bible as the Word of God with integrity yeah. and he's holding his conviction with integrity. I think he's wrong, he thinks I'm wrong, but what we have in common is a commitment to the Scriptures as the Word of God yeah. and I think that's yeah. the basis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think and, in the New Testament, sorry, uh, we see, I mean just look at Paul and yeah. his demeanor and disposition in dealing with, I mean, what sort of issues did Paul deal with to the New Testament churches? Yeah. All over the place. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, All over the place. Well, how does he respond to the gospel issue when it's faith plus equals justification? Yeah. If any man, whether it be an angel or an apostle, let yeah. him be damned. Yeah. Yeah. But then you have Peter saying of Paul, there's many things that Paul writes which are hard, hard. to understand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you just think about the church at Rome, for instance. 
you would have had someone who had been uh, raised in the Jewish faith, like Paul, all their life, who's 60 years old and gets converted to Christ, seeing him as the Messiah. And then you have some heathen who's been worshiping Greek gods in the temples, and, and he gets converted. And they come to Paul discussing eschatological truths. Don't you think there might be a difference when the pagan goes, what are you talking about, Ezekiel? No, when Jesus comes, that's it, man. Yeah. And the Jews say, well, yeah. I think he's going to set up his millennial kingdom. And what do you see over and over and over and over in the Apostle Paul? Be of one mind. Yeah. Be of one mind. Yeah. But he doesn't say that when it comes to, to the gospel issue. He says, be anathematized. Yeah. Yeah. Now, him and Apollos, I mean, everybody's like, oh, I'm for Apollos, I'm for Paul, right? And, and, and Paul goes and corrects that. There yeah. are concentric circles. So what I've learned is there's a place for different groups. Because of sin, obviously, we don't have walking apostles around. Obviously, somebody's right or wrong regarding yeah. pedo or credo baptism. Yeah. We wish we could straighten it out, but we can't. So it's okay to have different groups you know, believing different things. So it's okay to have denominations so long as we don't have a spirit of division yeah. and a proper Catholicity. Yeah. And what God has taught me in the last 14 years especially is to be Catholic in the basic sense of that word, universal. Mm -hmm. yeah. That if somebody names the name of Christ, has been regenerated, is trusting in Christ alone for salvation, that person is my brother or sister, mm -hmm. and I respect yeah. them, honor yeah. them, want to learn from them, yeah. though we may not be comfortable in the same assembly. That's okay. Yeah. Does that make sense? Absol it makes absolute yeah. sense. Yeah. Concentric that's, circles. Yeah, yeah, that's that's even one thing with Roman Catholicism. They harp on unity, unity, unity. Look at us. We're the, we're the true church. We all believe in the same thing. Even though we know when it gets down to the nitty-gritty, they're, obvious, they're obviously not. There, yeah. there are divisions. But even in Protestantism, they like to harp, oh, the 30,000 denominations, even though that's completely yeah. false and debunked. But I think a beautiful aspect about unity is showing unity in even disagreement and division. Yeah. I mean, what, yeah. what a better way of, yeah. of looking at you know, I mean, I'm I, I lead more Reformed Presbyterian, and and uh, Jeremy's my pastor, and he's Baptist, you know, and he's not kicking me out of his church, <laughs> not, not <laughs> you know, yet. and no, and, and, and <laughs> yeah, right now, yeah, he's like we had a meeting the other day, <laughs> but um, um, no, I, I just that's something I really wanted to harp on, and you know, not uh, major on the major majors yeah. and minor on the yeah. minors. Yeah. Yeah. And, when I've been faced with that question by Catholics, well, why are there so many divisions? I like to simplify it and say, you know, there are really only two divisions. Yeah. Yeah. Those who believe the Bible and the Bible's way of salvation by yes. grace through faith and those who Amen. don't. Yeah, yeah, there are a lot of things, but they're in they're in-house disputes. Yeah. But here's the major divide. Yeah. And then point them, where do you stand? Yeah. Salvation by grace through faith alone mm. in Christ alone or... You know, salvation by faith and works. works. And focus them on the yeah. main issue. Yeah. And, and that's what separates us from every other religion, right? Every other religion says, do, 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 do. And us as Christians, we say, it's already been done. Done. Yeah. It's done. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. So in, in what other ways uh, the topic was the balance of Christian uh, ministry and life? We kind of went over ministry. Is there anything no. you want to talk about and specifically just with the Christian life? Sure. Maybe family, fatherhood, motherhood? Yeah, I, I'm, and I've got some 50 examples. And um, <laughs> that, This is why we need a book, guys. Yeah. I'm telling yeah, you, yeah, the, yeah. the Volos. Yeah. That'd be great. Okay. I, I think this needs to like get going soon. The yeah, Volos okay. teaming up on the, the book together. <laughs> I'll, give you, I'll give you a few. <laughs> okay, this, this, this is what I'm going to do for our Twitter followers. Uh, to, to just shoot a uh, what is it? Uh, tag Jeremy and say we need this book, the balance of the Christian life okay. in ministry. Okay. We'll see how much we get. We'll do a poll or no, something. No pressure, Chuck. <laughs> right. I'll pick out some examples. Yeah, shrewdness, 
Balancing shrewdness with harmlessness. Matthew mm. ten sixteen. Jesus said, be wise or shrewd as serpents, harmless as doves. Mm. Shrewdness without harmlessness. If you're just shrewd, you're going to be serpentine in your craftiness like the devil and yeah. manipulative. But Jesus didn't say just shrewd, but shrewdness with harmlessness. Mm. Harmless men... It means, you know, not malicious. Yeah. Now, if you're just harmless without being shrewd, you're going to be naive and simple and easy to take advantage of, which the proverb says not to be. So you see the balance there. Yeah. Wise, shrewd as a serpent, but harmless as a dove. Yeah. So that it's shrewdness, discerning, but not manipulative and crafty. Okay. Um, another good. would be, well, doctrinal scripture as the words of God and the words of man. Well, the Bible was written by men. Absolutely it was. But those men were inspired by God. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, you know, exactly. God used human personalities and their own distinctive style, but he secured from them exactly what he wanted written. And they always claim that it didn't come from them. It came from God. Thus saith the Lord. Yeah. Always. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, sanctification in the Christian life is both put off and put on, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. If it's only put off, then... You're putting off things, but you're not replacing them with with other with good things, um, and it's not only put on because you first have to put off the pattern in Ephesians four. Put off. He, he let the thief steal no longer; rather, let him, let him labor with his hands. No, no rotten communication come out of your mouth, but what is good for edifying. So the dynamic of sanctification: put off and put on. Um, Balancing judgment and non-judgment. Mm -hmm. How often does the Bible yeah. tell us not to judge in certain areas, but in other places, 1 Corinthians 5, yeah. is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? Yeah. So we need to make moral judgments and not be morally neutral, um, and yet we need to restrain judgment so as not to judge hastily and carelessly, not to judge hypocritically, not to judge harshly, not to judge motives, etc. Mm. So there's a balance there. Yeah. We're not morally neutral. We make judgments. Jesus said, judge not that you be not judged. And a, a breath later, he's calling people spiritual dogs and pigs, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, don't cast your pearls in front That's of swine. They'll trample them under their, under their yeah, feet yeah. like pigs. Yeah. Wait, uh, didn't you make a judgment there, Jesus? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, but he's, he's going after hypocritical That's judgment. Um, That's good. Uh, resistance and retreat. Sometimes we're told to resist. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Stand your ground. Mm -hmm. Other times, 2 Timothy 2.22, flee youthful flee. lust. Yeah. You need to know when to stand and when to run, when yeah. to flee. Yeah. Balance. Um, picking out some examples here. Um, faith and works. Yeah. yeah. You know, That's a big one. Faith that, that's works. a big one down here. Yeah. yeah. Where do you put faith? You put it on one side, faith plus works equals salvation, and you're damned. Mm -hmm. If you say faith... In Jesus plus nothing equals salvation plus works. That's the biblical formula. Yeah. So you need to know where mm -hmm. to put the faith, which side of the equation to put the works. Yeah. Another one, um, individual and community. The Christian life is intensely personal and individual. God saved us one by one. Yeah. We all have our individual story. Mm -hmm. We're not saved as a group. Yeah. There's not group absolution. And yet we are called to be part of community, mm -hmm. not lone rangers in the Christian life. Mm -hmm. So those are unity and diversity in the church. God wants unity, but he's given all kinds of gifts, all kinds of temperaments. And so 
What's the theme of 1 Corinthians 12 and other passages? Diversity and unity. I'll give a few that, examples. That's so helpful, the, that last one especially, because you always see in the church, don't you, um, certain trends or certain convictions that others may have formulated for themselves, but then what happens inevitably? They're trying to impose those in areas of freedom of conscience on, on others. And then yeah cliques begin to form, and mm. there needs to be that understanding of, mm. of balance. Mm. You know, what I've really appreciated about my father's teaching on this, and it's just made me very aware in my own Christian life and ministry, is we're constantly in tension with these things, and, and yeah. it requires thoughtful consideration. Mm. Lloyd-Jones said of the Christian life, when one becomes a Christian, life gets hard. Well, in what sense? Well before Christ, you, you just did whatever you wanted. Yeah. You thought what you wanted, said what you wanted, went where you wanted, you know, yeah. did what I wanted. Yeah. And then you become a Christian, you have to think through everything. Yeah. <laughs> Does this honor the Lord? Does this advance the kingdom? Is yeah. this glorifying his name? Is this... And so, to be thoughtful and aware of the tension of balance in every sphere, my goodness, has been a tremendous help to me um, because it, it keeps me just personally mm. in check and thinking about mm. how I'm speaking, how I'm communicating, how I'm mm. serving, how I'm loving others. Am I doing it in a balanced way? Mm. Mm. Let me give a few others. Yeah. Submission versus resistance to authority. <laughs> Submission is a watchword of the Christian life. Hupotasso, put yourself under. Wives, be subject to your husbands. Obey your church leaders and submit to them. Children, obey your parents. But human authority has boundaries. Yes. The apostle said we must obey God rather than mm -hmm. men. And we see some people who are slavish, some women who are slaves to abusive men. Mm -hmm. And some people who are slaves to abusive authoritarian pastors. Mm -hmm. And and yet then we also have those who are rebellious and, and don't know how to submit. Yeah. Yeah. So the Bible teaches there's a time to submit there's a time to resist authority or to pull rank on the authority and say, you're overstepping your bounds. I've got to obey God rather than men. Amen. Yeah. Here's another doctrine and practice. Mm. We see in the Bible, Ephesians has three chapters on doctrine. Then it says, therefore, and it applies it. You know, when you're under a preaching ministry or reading the Bible, we, we need to be equipped with sound doctrine. But then we need to live out that doctrine. Yes. And, and know what are the implications for my life. And in preaching, a man ought to preach the foundation of sound doctrine, but then give application. Another one would be balancing church and family. Mm. Big, like yeah. your family, even for pastors, our, our family is our priority. If we don't manage our family well, we forfeit the privilege of, of shepherding the church. Yeah. And so some people get so involved in church, they neglect family. Some people in the name of family get so committed to family, they neglect their responsibility to the people of God. Mm. I'll mention one more. Um, God as judge versus God as father. Mm. You know, God yeah. as judge is forever satisfied with what Christ has done. We never undo our justification. And yet, when we sin, we break fellowship with our Father, mm -hmm. and it needs to be restored. Yeah. So distinguishing between God as our judge, who has forgiven us once for all, and God as our Father, to whom we relate and need to maintain and keep up that father-son relationship. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just heard a... Um I was listening to a, a sermon by Joel Beakey, and he was talking about praying to the Father and how we could come to the Father. And I thought it was excellent. Uh, Charles Hodge, when he got the uh, the professorship at Princeton, 
he, they gave him a house and gave him everything. He's walking in the house, and they're like, "Whatever you want, Charles Hodge. Whatever you want. Like we'll we'll make changes in the house." And um, and he said, uh, "The only thing that I ask for is that you lower um, the doorknob to my study because um, I want my children to come into the room whenever oh, wow. whenever they want to, no matter how busy I am." Mm-hmm. And uh, Joel Beaky was using that as an illustration as yeah. to how that is uh, similar of how we come to the Father in prayer. Mm. And uh, and yeah, I think some people could have this just very high. Just, mm. The Father is just judging me, and Jesus is you know the gracious, uh, you know, uh, yeah. just passionate Jesus yeah. and, and merciful. Um, yeah. But the Father is that that way as well. And we we had a uh, RC Spro Junior come on uh, uh, last month uh, or earlier this month, and he was talking about his dad RC, and just. Uh, everything that that relationship and and he has the book you know growing up with rc and i thought that was just uh, just seeing you uh jeremy and your dad together here is just a uh, wow um because there's a lot of people that don't have that relationship of a father son so we, we 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 probably have a lot of listeners here that don't have fathers right mm-hmm. and 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 we do have a heavenly father that can relate to us and that's always just a great reminder and and how important it is to make sure that um men out there are taking care of their families you know Mm. and at the same time making sure they're balancing out that with their christian life and you know and 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 that's it's hard like jeremy's (laughs) like we're just tug and pull yeah and you know we live in a day when, of course, the family is family life is very much eroded. Oh, and yeah. as Christians, we want to be faithful to our family. But I've seen the pendulum swing, mm. and people so idolize their family mm. that it becomes just an extension of their own self-love. Mm. I mean, I love my family like I love nobody else, and I have to be careful that my love for my own family doesn't become idolatrous, mm. because there's a there's a church family out there too. Yeah. Now, families first, but there's a church family. And there's a world of lost sinners, too. Mm. A couple others, if I may. Yeah. Sure. Um, balancing human depravity versus demonic activity. Yeah, that's a big one. <laughs> you know, yes. Some are always saying that, you know, the old line is, the devil made me do it. And they're yeah. always blaming the devil. Yeah. And He's, you probably, know, he's probably not working on you specifically. <laughs> yeah, it probably is demons. <laughs> yeah. but, but, but you see in the New Testament, primar- the primary culprit, culprit is the human heart and i have said if the devil was exterminated tomorrow the world would still be full of sin Mm. what did jesus say out of the heart you know comes Comes evil evil thoughts greed lust lust. and so and yet the devil's a real player yeah we can't make too much of him nor ignore him so there's a balance between you know paul said "I, i wanted to come to you but the devil hindered me Mm. resist the devil he and his demons are real players but we need to put that in perspective so we're not ignoring the devil, nor blaming everything on the devil. Another huge one is spiritual problems versus physiological problems. Mm-hmm. You know, where is there some real mental problems going on here mm-hmm. that's help? It's not excusing their sin, but it's yeah. a factor. And where is it a spiritual problem? The counseling I've been trained in has taught me to recognize that there can be real physiological problems. Yeah. But there's always a sin component. Yeah, yeah. Even on that one, especially with with uh, depression, I, I, this is something I experienced years back. Um, there was an aspect to my depression which it was just almost these this chain of worldly knowledge and wisdom that was bearing down on me. Um, just 
not really having a biblical understanding of God's sovereignty mm. that was really contributing to some of my depression. And once I came in contact with a biblical understanding of sovereignty, it was as if, well, like anybody else, you're just peace and freedom is kind of brought to you, and that aspect of my depression just kind of started to lift away. So there's there's even a spiritual rea- uh, side to that. Yes, um, yeah, yes. Just kind of going off what yeah, you're saying. Otherwise, you know, God can't judge people if yeah. there's not. And I've seen with some of the worst psychiatric labels, mm-hmm. yeah. like schizophrenia, I, I could see the threat of rebellion there, you know, mm-hmm. if, you, if you ask enough questions. Here's another one. Um, contentment versus holy ambition. Mm-hmm. Paul says, well, I've learned in everything to be content. I know how to have a, how to have a lot, how to have a little. little. And, and yet... And he says, I f- and, and I found the secret. I see. I've learned. I've learned the secret. Learned. That's the right. That's right. And that's really good. So contentment is a great virtue, but contentment can be a passivity. Mm. There's a good book that I'm rereading with a brother now, Rescuing Ambition, Dave mm. Harvey. And there is a holy ambition. Mm. You can be... You could be content in the name of laziness, mm-hmm. or you can be selfishly ambitious. Mm-hmm. So how do you balance contentment with holy ambition? Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's a huge challenge. Um, another one, uh, overlooking a sin versus confrontation. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. the Bible says uh, love overlooks some, uh, a transgression. Mm-hmm. A lot of little offenses, just overlook it. As one man has said, cover it with a blanket of love. but. If it's serious enough, Jesus said, if your brother sins, go and tell him his fault. When do you just overlook it, and when do you confront it? Wow. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> yeah, There's a lot. They're, they're, we gotta, y'all guys got to get write that book. <laughs> oh, he's on it again. <laughs> They'll figure it out. Um, we're kind of going all over the place. I'd probably yeah. have to categorize these into different yeah, categories, sure. which I think is doable. Well, you know, I think that uh, the difficult part in the, in a podcast is to, you know, flesh out, flesh all, out all this stuff. And, you know, but it, it, we're able to just throw it out there, have our listeners think about it. And, you know, uh, I, I thought this was really great. I was not expecting this. And, yeah, for sure. <laughs> and even even just for our listeners who, um, I guess just to apply something, just make it a- applicable is what I'm trying to get at. Mm. Um, who should these people, we talked a little bit about how we should have people, you should, you should go and ask people, find out where my imbalances are. What, first and foremost, what kind of people should these be mm. that, that that you need to ask? Hey, find these imbalances in my life, call it out, keep it in check, because it just can't be any... Anybody, mm. I think it has to be someone of qualification mm. and maturity. Mm. One pastor who was a mentor of sorts to me said these words. He said, look for oil on the forehead, you know, something of the anointing, uh, not in a charismatic sense. Mm. Uh, but I think, like Jeremy was saying, wise, seasoned people. Now, they don't always have to be advanced in years, mm. but I, I, my son has been an example of that. I mean, I've been privileged to be a, a friend and mentor, but, but he seeks out other older, wise men, mm. and I'm grateful for that, That's awesome. because the scripture says, in an abundance of counselors is safety. Mm-hmm. And I think people who have proven to be balanced and healthy and care about you and have an accurate perception of you. Mm-hmm. Some One uh, pastor said, when it comes to evaluating, you want to be like an Olympic judge, evaluating people's opinions toward you. They throw out the highs and the lows, because mm. the truth is somewhere in the middle. Mm. And people who are only and always praising you, eh, they probably have a jaded view of you. 
And people who are always just critical of you and negative, they probably have a jaded view of you. So the ones I trust as my friends and counselors are the ones who appreciate the grace of God in me as mm. they see it, but they also love me enough to see my flaws and imbalances. Mm-hmm. I trust them because we're all a mix of you know, God's gracious good in us and remaining sin. Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Makes, makes, makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah, I can't wait till we uh, get glorified because I hate this body. <laughs> so. All right. Well, let's go ahead and land this plane and this podcast. As always, before we end it, we always like for our guests to share the gospel. We completely understand. Uh, you know, we could talk about balance all day, but that is not what's going to bring someone to saving faith. It's uh, the gospel is the means by which mm. people are going to be drawn to saving faith. So, uh, Chuck Volo. Pastor Chuck, if you could please uh, share the gospel with our audience. The gospel is a very simple message. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be educated. You don't have to have a PhD. You don't have to be a Bible scholar. It's a very simple but profound message. Mm -hmm. The message is this, that we are created by a personal God made in his image. He is a God of holiness, a God of justice who hates sin. As a human race, we have all turned, the Bible says, to our own way. We've thumbed our nose at God. We've turned to live a self-centered, self-absorbed life in rebellion against God. And God is a God of holy wrath who will punish sinners eternally in hell. But thank God, he is also a God of love. And out of that love flows grace and mercy. He is a God who wants to redeem and rescue sinners. And he has done that by planning for centuries to send his own son, who eventually in the fullness of time came to earth, the second person of the Godhead, Jesus, took on human flesh, lived the perfect life that we could not live, so met up uh, to God's standard, and then died, gave himself up to a death as a sacrifice in our place, so that if we put our, and then after being put to death, rose from the dead, conquering death, and for everyone who turns from his or her sin, sees that I've been living apart from God, I've been an enemy of God, I haven't loved God, and wants to repent of that self-centered, rebellious lifestyle and put their faith in Jesus Christ alone, God will instantaneously forgive you of your sins, make you his child, give his Holy Spirit to you, change your life, And now, instead of being a child of wrath headed for hell, you will be a child of God headed for eternal life with him in heaven. Amen. Amen. This is true. Wow. Thank, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Chuck, for yes. for, for joining us today. It was a, my, it my was a pleasure. pleasure. Yeah. Thank you for coming Good to on. meet you, brothers. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And thank you, Jeremy, for coming on to co yeah, We're going to get pleasure. Jeremy on. Before you go to L.A., man, <laughs> yeah. we're going to get, gonna get you on, man. <laughs> I know. Jeremy's dad yeah, yeah. came on before Jeremy. That's... <laughs> Anyway, that's so how it should be. That, yeah. that's, we're gonna we're, <laughs> we're we're working on that. But uh, uh, anyway, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. If you are new to the program, uh, again, please subscribe. We're on all major podcast platforms. You could download our app. Uh, if you don't know about Bridge Ministries too, um, please go visit www.bridgemanlaredo.org. You could check out the website if you feel like giving as well to support this ministry. Uh, please prayerfully consider uh, giving a one-time or monthly donation. This goes to support our conferences that are here. Uh, We truly want to be a ministry that brings uh, the Reformation into uh, South America, Central America. We are a Reformed uh, Christian bookstore, teaching ministry, and coffee shop. We are a nonprofit ministry, and uh, we are growing 
Yes. And uh, we're actually looking into a new facility sometime soon. We'll be rolling out information about that. Yes, yes. Um, but yeah, uh, as always, Abe, what is your only comfort in life and in death? That I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. And we'll see you on the next one later. Later.